Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Granddad was in the ICU when I arrived. And I found my parents and my grandmother sitting in the waiting room. Mom hugged me when she saw me, her tears making my shoulders soggy almost at once. They wouldn't let her see him yet. Granddad, having just gotten out of surgery but the police were hoping to ask him some questions when he came to. I asked what had happened to him, and Mom said the officer she'd talked to hadn't had a lot of information. Someone had run their car into his little car while driving to Walmart and slammed him into a tree. The other car hadn't been at the scene, but they had left Grandad there when they pulled off. Another driver had seen the wreck and called an ambulance. As I sat in the waiting room with my parents, I couldn't help but wonder if this had anything to do with my prying. Granddad had put me in touch with Mr. Crumbs, a retired officer who'd warned me about the far-stretched influence of the warden. Hadn't Crumbs acted scared when he'd seen a fellow officer at McDonald's that day? I mean, surely no one had done this to my grandfather, a man in his sixties, to send a message to me. No one was that vindictive to hit one of their own right? The doctor came out as I was mulling it over and gave us a breakdown. Grandpa was awake, but the painkillers they had him on were making him loopy. He had a broken leg, a fractured arm, and his collarbone had been mended with a couple of big metal screws. He had lost a lot of blood, but they were hoping that he would recover. He suggested that we come back tomorrow, since they would try and step him down to a regular room if he did well tonight. We left. Not really sure what to expect, but hopeful. I didn't hear from Crumbs for two weeks. When I did, he called to tell me that he would meet me at a bar in the next town. He sounded tired, and I wanted to ask if something had happened. He didn't stay on the phone long, though. He gave me the address and hung up, leaving me in the lurch until two days later when the appointment time arrived. The time would prove harder to nail down than he thought. A week later, he told me to be two more weeks instead of one. When he missed that meeting, he called the next day to say that he would meet me next week at the same spot. I met a lot of people in that time. They were ex-inmates, officers, both current and retired, all with a story to tell about the strange old place. None of them wanted their names used. None of them wanted anything the warden could track them with, and all of them seemed to be heading somewhere else. Some of them came in person, some of them just sent letters, but they all told a tale of that strange old prison. I was actually just compiling another story when Chromes called me to tell me the time was moving up. Maybe this afternoon. At noon. Don't be late. I can't stay long. The bar was a dive. A dingy little roadside spot with pickup trucks in the parking lot at noon and a greasy look that persisted after sunrise. The inside was a gaggle of day drinkers, a harassed-looking bartender in biker leathers, and Crohn's. He was sitting near the bathrooms, much as he had at the diner. He was sipping whiskey from a cracked mug, 
and waved me over when he saw me come in. He was dressed in a long coat, despite the heat, and had sunglasses and a cap on to obscure his face. Even so, he looked rough. His facial hair was scraggly and several days old, and he seemed tired as he sagged against the booth. Despite this, he looked relieved that I had arrived. This will probably be our last meeting, kid. I've been dodging them for the last few weeks, but they definitely know I'm talking to someone about the old time. They definitely know that you have, too. I wager some of those people you've spoken with wish they never heard of you. Regardless, I'm on my way out of town. You want the rest of the story, you better hurry. Are these the same guys who hurt my granddad? Probably. You better watch yourself. It's only a matter of time before you learn too much. You know, I'll take my chances. I said, clicking on the tape recorder and taking out my notepad. Chromes nodded. Yeah, very well. The last night, the night we handled the problem, sealed our fate. We were all summoned to the warden's office before we left that morning. We were cold, sore, ready to collapse. But when the warden calls, you go. Your granddad and I were there, along with Caden and our captain, and two other officers that helped on the yard sometimes, Merrick and Holmes. He was sitting behind the desk. Close-cut gray hair, immaculate pinstripe suit. As he sipped tea and took us in. I worked under him my whole career. All of us did. He never got any easier to be around. The man wasn't like us. The man was downright spooky. You, know? you must be interested to know that Officer Miles is in stable condition at Emory. Thanks to your efforts last night. On the other hand, I found four officers quit on the way out today, and I expected there will be more before the shift begins tomorrow. Something must be done about this, something that none of you are going to like. He looked at Caden as he said it, knowing that it was a lie, but going on anyway. I was content to study this phenomenon when it was merely inmates, but now that Fraser is affecting my staff, this little experiment has to stop. The captain had looked skeptical, looking at Caden before saying, Sir, inmate Frazier has been in the infirmary for nearly a week now. I've been told that he's in a... Marin. When I want misinformation, I'll read your incident reports. I, I have the training staff bringing our next crop of TAs over tonight for on-the-job training. You six will be transporting an inmate tonight. If you call out... I'll send people to your homes to collect you. This is not a request. This is one of those special circumstances laid out in your contract. You will speak of this to no one. What we do tonight will have never happened. And when we transport this inmate, he will cease to be an issue for this compound. And you will all do well to purge him from your memory. Do I make myself clear? We all said he had. And he instructed us to meet him in the medical at 11 o'clock. Till then, we were dismissed. I don't think any of us slept very well that day. All of us arrived on time, petering out our night until 11 o'clock arrived. I looked up for my paperwork at 
started making excuses to the officers working with me that evening. His name was Fauzi. He was greener in summer grass. He'd go on to be one of the best captains we ever had, but right then, he was a scrawny 20-year-old who didn't want to be in the dorm by himself. I considered trying to use him as an excuse, but I knew it wouldn't do any good. In the end, I told him I'd be back soon. I made my exit. The thunder was already rumbling off in the distance as I made my way to the medical. The weather report hadn't said anything about rain tonight, but I guess the local news was mostly just guessing, as usual. It'd be the last rain we had until January, plunging the region into a drought that nearly doomed the autumn crop. That week, though, he had called down the thunder and the rain every night. And we were forced to deal with it. Right up until we were forced to deal with him. They had loaded Frazier into a wheelchair. I saw the warden looking at the sky uncomfortably. I was told the rain would be over by now, but it appears that our window is not as wide as I thought. Let's get this over with. We only have a small chance to make this work. We took him down the road and towards J-Dorm. J-Dorm, in those days, was called the Death House. It was Death Row. Stragview having an active row to this day. In those days, we still used the electric chair. A lot of places have stopped using the chair now, but I can remember Stragview using it right up until 2008. Only then because of an incident that has nothing to do with this story. We rolled them down the center road, past the tower, past the other dorms. Luckily, no one saw us as we went. The window's dark, and everyone who wasn't clocked in was asleep. The thunder drew closer, the smell of rain filling our nostrils. Captain rolled him along. The six of us flanked him like an honor guard. Fraser sat strapped to his chair, understanding none of this, while the man who had put him in the state moved silently beside him. His head was covered in bandages red and with old blood and his face was purple and slack someone addressed him I'm sure there were more bandages beneath his uniform too and we were about to do something monstrous no matter what Fraser had done and, and it haunts me even now he rolled into the death house when there'd be a killing field for some of us that night the thunder rumbled off the walls of J-Dorm as we rolled inside. The concrete walls were sweating as much as the dorm sergeant, Sergeant Castor. He was watching the dorm on his own, death row currently empty. He seemed unhappy about what sort of hell we were wheeling in through his doors. He and the warden had a heated discussion in his office, which ultimately led to nothing. In Stagview, the warden got his way, period. Take him to the showroom, the warden said. Castor hovering behind him like a worried hummingbird. Caden started to roll the chair, but I stood my ground, and your grandfather seemed very unsure about what we were about to do. I was under the impression that we were taking him to a cell. Are you... Are we executing inmate Frazier, sir? Yes, we are, he said, gauging my response. Sir, that's a capital offense. You're talking about murder. 
son inside Stragview. I am the judge, jury, and executioner. This man has already been expunged from the records. His death was reported a few days ago, and no one will question his disappearance. He is guilty of the murder of multiple inmates and the attempted murder of a member of staff. If, however, you feel unable to fulfill your duties, he said, his eyes twinkling behind the little gold glasses, we can add another murder to Fraser's charges. I felt the cold shudder run through me as I, as I realized he was serious. I wanted to deny him, I wanted to hang on to my pride, but I found my hand wrapped around the push handle as I prepared to guide him to his death. We rolled him past the cells, boxes lined with bars, through the adorned hallway, and into the long room that held a vengeful god in steel and wood. The chair sat on a raised platform, oiled and gleaming, as its source of power made the walls shake. We brought him to the edge of the platform, and I could swear that he leaned his head back to look up at it. I could have sworn that his arms had a little slight crackle around them as he sat before the chair. Get him in quickly. Warden barked. The storm will be on us any minute. Caden, and your grandfather, and the other two lift him out of the chair. The warden slapped at my shoulder as he pushed me towards the little booth near the wall. The one that held the switch. Get in position. We only get one shot at this. He strapped him in, connecting the cap and securing the restraints, and I saw no one bothering with the hood. Fraser lolled there in his bindings, dead to the world. I put my hand on the lever as I waited for my signal. My misgivings were tucked away, someplace I could analyze them later. As everyone backed away, the warden pointed at me to make ready. We all waited for the hand to come down, it seemed like Fraser sat there for hours before the warden gave the signal, and I thrust down on the metal bar, one that would send the electricity out to end his life. As he came down, I heard a hum from a half a second before the power went out completely. In the dark, we could all feel the massive bolt of lightning that struck outside. And we couldn't see the newcomer who had appeared amidst the group in the dark any more than we could avoid feeling the rumble from the eldritch bolt as it hit. He was... Massive. Eight feet of seething rage. His arms looked as big as trees. He, his roar sounded like thunder in a bottle as it coursed up his neon blue throat. He swung out with them, scattering them as he screamed his anger, and those knocked aside started running. It was too much. A giant that looked like forked lightning. Now I'm not ashamed to say I cowered behind the protective screen, hoping to remain unseen, and those... Those were the longest minutes of my life. I heard people being thrown around, heard screams of men as they were beaten to death, and I heard that thing stomp around as its, its weird light cast shadows on the wall. It was bigger. Bigger than it had ever been. The storm and Fraser's rage giving it a strange life, and it used its newfound strength to hurt the men who had, who had meant to kill Fraser. Something hit the other side of the blind, and I tucked my head down as it moaned and twitched. I reached a hand out timidly until I found a uniform shirt and drugged the man behind the screen with me. It was your grandfather, and that was probably what saved him in the end. 
The doctor said he had a broken arm and some pretty severe burns. When we got to medical, his injuries were nothing compared to the others, though. The thing beat him. It broke him. Now you hear them as they... They died just behind the partition. When the lights flickered, the generator starting up at long last, I heard a new sound from the throat of that behemoth. I heard the giant thing scream in pain as Fraser was electrocuted. The power surged through the chair, and I peeked up over the lip of that little window to see what was happening. The giant and Fraser were both jerking, bodies whipping around wildly as the current seemed to run through them both. The creature fell to its knees, its body still throbbing as the electricity seemed to arc through it like a spear, and then, then all at once it just, it just burst apart. The neon body erupted in a shower of sparks that, that set fire to some of the chairs and boxes stored around it. Its pieces lay amongst the broken bodies of the other officers I had come in with. I began to wonder if your granddad and I were the only survivors of that little adventure. Uh, I pushed the switch lever back up as Fraser began to blacken. His hair started to smoke and the current turned off with a sudden loud clunk. I left your granddad then to assess the situation. Caden was the only one who survived that night out of the group. He'd been thrown into some chairs, knocked unconscious. His head sporting a long, bloody gash. It healed badly, it left a disfiguring scar that he wore for the rest of his life. I always considered it good as punishment as any for being responsible for 14 people's deaths. The others. Captain, three officers. J-Dorm Sergeant, they all dead. Bodies burnt, skin burst, and red from the contact with the creature. It looked like a cow I'd once seen after it had been struck by lightning. I was helping your grandfather to his feet when the warden appeared beside me. He was unharmed. Somehow. And despite being a little rumpled, he was none the worse for wear. He told me to take your granddad to medical, tell them that lightning had struck the yard and killed some men. We were to say nothing to J-Dorm or the execution under the threat of death. And he walked away feeling pretty lucky. I heard later that the going story was that lightning struck the little group as we huddled on the yard. We had been lucky. Caden had been lucky, but the others had died in a freak accident. No mention of Fraser was ever made again. And we got on with our lives. He seemed to come out of it, his eyes having been locked on his beer for the last hour as he recounted his tale. They made Caden the new J-Dorm sergeant after that. Guess the warden figured he was loyal enough to keep his mouth shut as long as they let him beat and fry the occasional inmate. He lasted about five years of that before he took his own life. That's another story I might share with you sometime if I survive these tumultuous few weeks. We talked a little more after that. Him answering some of my questions and me trying not to pry too much. He left not long after that, and I never saw him again. Though I did hear from him a few more times. His story inspired me to keep writing. To tell the stories that Stragview doesn't want me to tell. I will publish this book. 
I will unearth the skeletons that lay beneath the soil of Stragview. Even if this book becomes my headstone, I will tell these stories. Hey there kids, it's me, Mr. Creepypasta, and I just wanted to tell you thank you so much for watching tonight's video, or listening to tonight's episode of the podcast. It really helps me out whenever you guys do things like listen, or watch. And it really helps if you guys also subscribe to the podcast, or subscribe to the YouTube channel, or do things like clicking the bell, or clicking the like button. Tales from the Gas Station is back, in case you guys had missed out on that. Tales from the Gas Station Volume 1 and 2 were different audiobooks that I had done for Jack Townsend a couple of years ago, but in case you missed it at the end of last year, also Tales from the Gas Station Volume 3 is available now on Audible. You can check it out by looking for Tales from the Gas Station or searching for Mr. Creepypasta on Audible, or, you know, scroll down to the description and click the links there. And as always, I want to give a very special thank you to all of my supporters on Patreon. You guys are the ones who help me keep lights on the house, as well as allow me to do things like commission brand new stories. In case you guys haven't noticed, we hit that tier. So a very special thank you to Jordan Alexander Sanchez, Stricken, Chase Burnett, Deanna Krauss, G Weevil 3, Tristan Pelton, 1-800-Nightmare, Acid System, Aaron Stormcrow, Azarine Fox, Bobby Carmen, Chris Lovin, Cryptic Nightmares, The Doctor, Daniel Polson, Dr. Stein and Mr. Happy, Euro Gore, Freddy Krueger, Fried Chicken 12, Hades Nephew, Infertile One, James Bruce, James Lowe, Jason V.R. Wilson, Jimbo the Hutt, Jordan Nels, Jordan Johnson, Caleb Dougal, Kiri the Sloth, Legit Quad Feed, Liam Newman, Lisa Cottrell, Marco Takes Dabs 420, Michael Scarborough, Nico Kyle, Nina Smith, Prozac and Pancake Appreciation Society, Rafael Rodriguez, Robert White, S-Man, Sky Harbor, Snails Burnett, Talon Carlick, The Ginger Bros, Trace Miles, Suji Campbell, Tynany, Unknown Nobody, Andre Garcia, Brianna Wright, Brian Ace, Caspian, Hogunkji, and Someone You Love. And also a very special thank you to everybody who's down there in the description down below. All you guys who are listed as Patreons and everybody who's even supporting for just $1, I really love and appreciate you guys. And if you want to join them, you can always head over to patreon.com slash mrcreepypasta. Even a dollar a month, honestly, keeps the show going. So thank you guys so much. And to everyone out there, sweet dreams. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.